What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here, Real Resilience with Matt Lestalia, me, your host. So happy to have you guys. Um, so last week, we brought on the topic of critical thinking, and specifically through the lens of looking at, really looking at uh, news articles. And so if you guys didn't, didn't check out last week, I definitely highly advise it, especially going into this week, because they're very closely tied together. It's not required, but it is add some benefit. Um, the article that we looked at last week was um, something about uh, nurses uh, basically getting their their sleep problems were yeah another cause another exacerbation of the of what's going on in the world today. So <clears throat> what I wanted what I did last week was we took a look at what how to look at news articles that come out, how to look at headlines, how to kind of decipher um, and read through it, read through the kind of fear, um, how to actually go into the articles and, and assess what it is they're saying, kind of the strategies to do that, and even a little bit about uh, looking at the scientific studies behind it. Now, a lot of this was kind of off of the normally beaten path that we take here on Real Resilience. Typically, we're talking about strategies that you can take on um, to help yourself not see obstacles as as impediments on your path to your desired future and desired end state, but to look at them as as opportunities for growth, as opportunities to um, to learn, and and to make yourself better. And so that way you can you can create more contentment. You can create more fulfillment. You can have more moments of achievement. Um, which then reverberate throughout yourself, through the way that you feel, and thus to the people around you, um, making not just your life better, but by by taking positive action and committing and taking that action and not letting obstacles deter you from the persistence of that action, that we actually improve the world through that. So, um, with all that said, that's that's typically what we do here. Um, so today, I really wanted to look at the component of sleep because they talked because that the article and the study that was done behind it was all kind of based around not kind of it was completely based around sleep and the sleep impacts for these people. And we talked about some of the things that that should have been taken into consideration with the study, but you couldn't tell, and it was behind a paywall in order to actually see it. And so it's like, how much did the how badly do they really want you to know the details of what they did? Um, but when you when you look at sleep, there's there's it's there's actually a fair amount of depth to it, which is interesting because um, it's it's interesting how much work we've done in the past 50, 70, 100 years. But really within the last kind of 50 to 60 to 70 years, when it comes to uh, our understanding of ourselves, both physiologically, biologically, uh, mentally, you know, and all of these different fields of study and how we've how we've progressed when it comes to uh, an awareness of how we operate and what our cognitive role is within that operation. Like, what do we have control over? What do we not? How do we influence certain components? Um Interestingly, I think it was in the 50 in the late 50s is when 
we actually discovered that there were different stages of sleep. And even then it wasn't, it wasn't as nuanced naturally because they just figured it out, but it wasn't as nuanced of an understanding then upon that discovery as we have now, where there's essentially, there's kind of like five stages, there's four stages and then there's REM sleep. Right. And so like, sorry, I don't want to like dive straight into the meat and like, uh, without kind of working our way there and go right into the kind of boring science stuff. Um, so really why, why choose sleep? Right. So obviously the article that we talked about last week, like I was just talking about that was centered around sleep, but why I could have taken any article and not any particular topic from any given article that we're going to dissect and use critical thinking to decipher and, and see the validity of, um, not every single topic is going to be relevant for the show, but something that I have been extremely interested in doing and something that is so incredibly impactful to everything that we do here is sleep. And so that's why that article kind of called out to me and that's why I even clicked on it. It's not like I saw the title of this article. It was like, I'm going to do a show about this, right? It was like, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what they have to say. And so I went into it with, with that kind of sense of curiosity and, and, and personal interest, right? With that's, it's one of those things we've talked about it before, but when you think about like reading and trying to like expand your knowledge or anything like that, it's, it's very difficult to establish good habits of things that you're not already doing, establish new positive habits, such as reading. If you don't read regularly now, um, it's hard to do that. If you're doing it about, if you're like reading about things that you're not particularly interested in, interested in, but just because you think that it, uh, it's good for you. Like it's good for me to read. So I should be reading this. Um, and sometimes that's important, but it's very, it's not, it's probably not the best decision to make if you're trying to establish that as a new habit. Um, and so not to go off on too much more of, of habit creation. Um, we talk about that a lot here. Um, and so you can go back into the archives and kind of look and see, uh, search for, you know, when we've talked about habits and establishing new ones, it's definitely there. There's definitely going to be a ton more on that, especially as new science comes out. But that was the reason why I was called to that article and called to actually look at it um, and give it a little bit more time than just kind of reading the head title and uh, headline and moving on or, or just kind of perusing through the the meat of the article and, and, you know, moving on. So I was personally interested in because it has such an impact. And so what are, what are the understood kind of impacts of of sleep or the lack thereof, which normal, normally it's like, if, if you look up any sort of science in any sort of scientific centralized publication, national Institute of health or anywhere, when you look up studies on sleep, it's all going to very rarely, or at least when I was doing it very, and I didn't search for problems or disorders, um, with sleep, but that's, what's going to come up. They're, they're going to come up with with disruptions to sleep and these different types of impacts or sleep for impacts for people with ADHD and treatments and blah, 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 and all this stuff, all of these, uh, these specific cases, but not very, you have to dig a little bit deeper to just find pure data on sleep in a scientific journal. I just think cause it's been written so long ago and kind of understood maybe it's, you know, and now we're all just trying to scientists are trying to dissect it into these different portions that are very helpful and beneficial for different groups that are struggling with sleep because typically we're not thinking about sleep when it's not a problem right <laughs> so but 
when it is a problem, it is it impacts so much of your life, and I, so much of your life is is uh, feels like an understatement, which typically is not. Usually, it's hyperbolic in the overextension kind of way, where you're trying to take this one thing and, and expand it out to all areas of life. But sleep literally hits all areas of your life. It impacts every single component of your life, and some of some of them that have been determined through uh, the research and studies are um, are your mood, you know, the way that you're actually feeling, your your actual memory, your ability to to recall events and and to hold on to new memories, um, cardiovascular health, you know, like the, the the quality of your veins that are pumping that have blood pumping through them and the calcification thereof. Um, links strong links to obesity and poor sleep quality, um, and even long-term disease. Um, <clears throat> you think about Alzheimer's. I- I've been, I've had the opportunity to learn from well-educated PhDs, you know, about Alzheimer's and kind of write some stuff up on it myself in, in classes and projects and stuff. And so it's uh, to me after seeing it and, and seeing how much is written about it and how much some people know about Alzheimer's and, and everything, it's, it's, I, I feel like it, it might be going, uh, it might be really obvious, but for some people it's really not. And you, you don't know, but Alzheimer's is, is, has a very strong link with, with poor sleep. I don't think that they've been able, I think it's correlative right now, the sleep quality. I don't think the studies have been done effectively to show that poor sleep leads to Alzheimer's, but there are things that poor sleep does do or or inhibits your body from doing that are absolutely associated, that results in things that are absolutely tied with Alzheimer's. Um... With all that said, you know, I don't want to just go down this super negative rabbit hole of like, your life is going to be awful if you don't sleep. And if you're there and you're like, I struggle sleeping now and I'm on my fifth cup of coffee already, you know, <laughs> and it's, and here it's, it's 11. Um, so that would be a lot early. I think, I think, I think that's a lot. Yeah. I think that's fair to say, <laughs> but, um, it's not all dark and gloom uh, here, but I did want to make sure that we understand kind of the, the gravity of what we're dealing with and just kind of briefly touch on the stuff that is impactful that, that we'll kind of dive into a little bit a little bit more deeply here. I'm not a scientist, so um, all I'm doing is reading studies and listening to scientists and listening to doctors and listening to researchers and kind of aggregating the information that I'm seeing from across the board from multiple sources um, that are well vetted into um, something that's a little bit easier to understand <clears throat> and not so I don't know like sciencey and boring. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if I can do it. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. You have to let me know. So, um, but absolutely, what the key outcome that we're looking for here today is absolutely strategies that we can take on to kind of recapture. Uh, control in when it comes to sleep and our sleep quality uh, you know it's it's so it's so important like I said to to do this but and it's interesting because it the stuff that the strategies that can make the biggest difference in your sleep quality 
are not complicated whatsoever and and there are proven techniques outside of the kind of pharmacological areas um, dealing with drugs and prescriptions that you can do there's so many things you can do um, to build yourself up in and having a proper sleep regimen that um, that's extremely impactful so that's absolutely what we're going to talk about that's if if we're not i'm not going to bring stuff up here that's like this is a problem and good luck you know like the whole point of me coming here uh and talking with you guys is to, is to provide real practical strategies that you can implement in your life today you know and not sit in this kind of abstract like oh that is a good idea i should probably do something you know if in, in that vein and you know i don't really know how to directly apply it but so this is all going to be very tactical you know there's strategies that, are, that have very practical and tactical in, uh applications within your life so interesting um stuff sleep is when you think about it and i i love the idea of evolutionary uh, biology, evolutionary psychology, specifically evolutionary uh, psychology. I think that it's terribly interesting to look at what behaviors have been selected or selected against in our development as humans. And everything that you can kind of see and how we operate now is what has been selected for to enable our survival. So the, the, the patterns of thinking, like we last week we talked about the confirmation bias. I talked about this a lot before. But, and if, like I said, if you haven't watched the last episode, please do. But the confirmation bias is essentially you're, you are more willing to take in ideas. Uh, um, and that's actually <laughs> interesting. So confirmation bias is when you're, you're, you have a belief and then you hear information and then you're more willing to, to take that in to your, to your beliefs and accept it without challenging it. Um, and then to repel or to more thoroughly vet things that go kind of against your preconceived notions and your your personal understanding of the world. So that's confirmation bias. Um, the one that I actually wanted to talk about uh, was uh, the negativity bias. The negativity bias is is really amazing and it's kind of really easy to understand. I want to talk about that one. Like I said, I'm not a scientist. It's one that I understand kind of evolutionarily um, and how it how it has remained kind of selected for. So we may think in this day and age, why would I want to highly regard and highly remember in detail um, all of these negative things? Why do I want to think that like, you know, the the bad things are going to happen um, and think about highlight all the risks? You think about um, this, this plays itself out now in, in reviews. It's very very common or at least it used to be it seems like it's kind of changing with reviews and the way that people are highlighting them and trying to make sure that they're getting positive reviews and so kind of soliciting and marketing to get people to review their stuff positively you hear it on podcasts all the time i'm sure yeah you know like and share my show give it five stars on itunes blah 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 blah. and by all means i'll fall into the tune go ahead and do that for me too if you want if, if you feel like uh, it deserves it but um but when we are thinking kind of historically and, and traditionally when it comes to reviews normally what you would see is for every 10 negative reviews you're going to get a positive review and that's not because places are complete garbage it's because of 
the kind of negativity bias and, and, and the way that we emphasize negative events. And we want to let people know about negative events because it's all based on our survival, you know? And so I'm, you're more likely, you're going to have a more emotional pull to, to let people know that you may not even know about a negative event that you have had versus a positive one. And so that leads to those types of reviews. So how does that play itself out kind of evolutionarily? Um, well, when you think back to kind of the hunter-gatherer days, you know, you're going to have people going out and hunting. You're going to have people going out and foraging. And if you forage something and you, you grab some berries and you eat them and, and the person next to you watches you die, then that's, that's something that we really want to highlight. Um, that, hey, bush, like, berries i want to i want it seared into my memory that berries that look like this that grow on plants that look like that will kill you <laughs> and the same thing for people that are going out and hunting you know you go out and you hunt and and maybe you see a snake and it bites you and and that dude dies and other people see him and they're like holy crap <laughs> um the little things without legs that are slithering around uh, on the ground and in the trees will kill you when you are bit by them. So let's not mess with those. And so um, that's why you'll notice, like at least for me, if I'm in my if I'm in my yard and and I see like the garden hose is kind of wound up on the ground and it's kind of like in in the mulch or whatever, and I'm kind of just walking by, maybe I'm watering some stuff or whatever. I'm just walking through the yard, I look over and I see this coiled up you know, tube. And I'm like, and there's that, there may not be a, a physically jolting reaction, but there's like, Oh, like there's like attention, like your attention's brought to it, like danger. <laughs> and that's why, cause you think it looks kind of like a snake. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of like the evolutionary, uh, concept or idea behind the negativity bias. So when you think about evolutionarily, why would sleep be selected for versus selected against and why would it be selected for in such a like grandiose amount of time you know you think about if eight hours is kind of the generally accepted norm and it's and it's you know very striated amongst ages so you know when you're really young you need more sleep um and as you get older you need less and less in order to operate but there's still you know let's just call it eight hours for the sake of you know simplifying this portion of the conversation so if it's eight hours of sleep a night that is uh eight sixteen twenty four a third <laughs> i'm good at math so it's a it's a third of your life is spent unconscious like it, you are you are unaware of what is going on around you you are subject to predation you know like you're not collecting food you're not finding new sources of water you're not in like re-firming up your shelter like on you are spending it in the most vulnerable unaware state possible and it's for one third of every day so that's a lot <laughs> so why wouldn't the basically the idea behind it is you know if we could have if our systems could have selected to reduce this amount of sleep um to less they probably would have <laughs> and so we apparently we require this and and like i was telling you with those kinds of fallouts of the of the things that happen when you don't get sleep um you know, it's it's required for our longevity, for our performance each and every day. 
um, both short-term and long-term, the, the longevity and the immediate. It's crazy. It's crazy. I will, I'll get into some of the details about what happens with just one day of no sleep or, or a week, not no sleep even, just less sleep, like, um, like four hours of sleep uh, or a week of having four hours of sleep a night. It's, it's insane the immediate impacts that we can see. Um, so the, and, and it's interesting because we often find ourselves kind of talking about, uh, you know, about sleep and, and about the, uh, the, the, the impacts of it. And we, we attest or we look at, you know, oh, did you get good sleep? And does, what does good sleep mean, right? Good sleep is like, oh, well, I slept through the night. Typically, if you're thinking about it, you're like, oh, did I wake up a bunch last night? And if you don't remember waking up, then you're like, yeah, okay, well, I went to bed at this time, and I woke up at this time, and that's like, you know, maybe it was seven hours, maybe it was six or eight, but you wake up, and you feel pretty good, and you're like, okay, well, that's good, <laughs> you know, but if you woke up a bunch, you're like, oh, well, it's crazy, I've actually had that where I've woken up a couple times throughout the night, very conscious and awake, and then I get up in the morning, and I'm like, I feel pretty good, I'm like, oh, man, but I did my wife will ask me she's like well how did hey babe how'd you sleep and i'll say i was like oh you know i feel pretty good and then i'm like oh you know what i did wake up a couple of times it's interesting how the game your mind kind of play this game against you where um where i will start to actually feel more tired after acknowledging the fact that i woke up a couple it's like it's like no but if you woke up like i have it ingrained that deeply into my mind if i woke up a couple of times like couldn't have gotten that great of sleep, you know, so because I woke up and it, and it interrupted this, what's supposed to be this continuous block of sleep. It was interesting because sleep is actually broken up into, like we were talking about before, we discovered back in the mid to late 50s that it was, um, it was, there were multiple stages of sleep, there were different types of sleep. And then now we've come to understand that there are essentially, there are four stages of sleep. Um, and there's basically kind of two on the lighter side as you're kind of walking your way down to deep sleep. So one and two are kind of like these step ladders going down. And then the step ladders keep going down for three and four. And that's when you enter into more deep sleep. Um, and you know what's crazy? What I didn't know until I was in, um, I think it was a course in high school that first talked about it. And then I learned about it in multiple classes now in college. And they um, they talked about how... REM sleep, so the rapid eye movement sleep, which is typically where you find yourself dreaming, um, that is that is very similar as far as like the brain wavelength of what they're monitoring when you're asleep and watching your brain activity. It's it's very very similar to what it looks like when you're awake, um, or in the very light sleep. There's actually more activity, I believe, in the REM sleep than there is in the lights in the in the earliest stages of even light sleep. So it's like our, you can tell our brains are cooking, you know, stuff's going on there. And so, um, and, and we tend to focus when you hear about sleep, you tend to hear, you know, oh, non-REM and REM. And what's more interesting is that they have found out that there are impacts to, uh, to your health and, and, and all to your life if any of these stages are inhibited for, for whatever reason. So if you end up getting the proper amounts of REM, but you didn't go through the process to get there, um, then you're not going to have the same kind of quality. There's different things that are impacted. Like I think stage two has to do with, uh, with memory, memory formation. Um, but yeah, so 
what actually happened so again why do we sleep we think about it evolutionary it doesn't make a lot of sense um, but we, like I said, we found out there were multiple stages and each, each of these stages kind of has their own responsibility for what kind of needs to be happening during that time. And so one of the big ones, and I don't remember which stage, and it's not really particularly important when it comes to the kind of practical, tactical side of things. Um, but just so you guys know, some of the stuff that's actually happening there is that there are, there are glial cells. And so without going into stupid science talk, <laughs> I uh, basically... Um, glial cells have a bunch of different um, purposes, but um, you know they help structure uh, neurons and they help to, to line it, line it to help line nerves to help you know transmit the communication even more fast and effective, which is why you can feel like the pain in your toe the same that you can feel pain in your nose kind of at the same rate there's not like a oh i hit my toe oh now it hurts it's like uh the glial cell formation into these kind of sheaths around your nerves help to to promote the speed of that communication um between there um but not only that they also are responsible for um kind of like trash removal waste management if you will <laughs> they're the waste management team so maybe they get a little less love um, and attention than they should uh, we're all focused on neurons and neural networks but these are all propped up by the glial cells and and uh, and so actually one of the things that they do is that there's a buildup throughout the day of unhelpful <laughs> um, an excess amount of of different chemicals um, in your brain some of them being like the proteins uh and some of these proteins are are involved with some of those long-term diseases that we talked about and so they actually help to clear they go in and they help to clear out parts of this so when you get disrupted sleep you get poor quality poor quantity um you get you have the the effectiveness of these cells coming in and clearing out the garbage these trashmen coming in it's like they don't have enough time they don't have enough enough of them to go in there and to clear it out if if they're not given their kind of allotted amount of time um and then like i said you know in, in stage two we're looking at from memory there's it's actually interesting there's an interesting uh experiment with mice i'm trying to recall it in the best detail possible and so so you guys know where this information is coming from, um, what's his name, Matt, Matthew Walker, another great Matt out there. <laughs> um, he is a, I don't know if he's technically a sleep scientist, but I'm pretty sure he's been on Rogan. I listened to him on Sam Harris. Um, he's done, He's he wrote a, a cup, a, at least one book, if not several books that are really good on sleep. And then, uh, um, you know, pulled stuff from Andrew Huberman's lab and, and, and stuff from there. And then some studies that I found on my own on uh, the NIH website. Um, and then from classes that I took at George Mason University in a neuroscience class. And then um, in class I'm in now in, in a psychology class at uh, Purdue Global. So that is where, so you guys know, like kind of the references, these are all going to be kind of mix matched. Um, and I will try to attribute them the best that I can as I go. So, um, this is from Matthew. Oh, and now I just dropped his name. I just said it. <laughs> you, you heard it. That guy, Matt, the other great Matt, um, Walker, there it is. Um, so he was talking about this experiment so it's not an experiment that he even did so but he was referencing this experiment that they did on mice um and essentially they were able to f to kind of listen to the the brain waves or like the this kind of ticking noise that would happen um in association with with kind of 
learning something and then remembering it. So they would have the had these things that attached to the mice and they're hearing like these kind of beats like when they're going through the maze that they've learned how to do. Um, you can hear this kind of like dee 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 um, sound that's going on with, with them kind of processing and, and establishing this to memory. And so then what was interesting is when they went to sleep um, at night, they were they still had them hooked up to the same devices and they were still listening. And what happened, I don't even think that they were looking for this. I don't think that they were trying to study sleep. It's one of the cool things about science is all the accidental discoveries that have happened. But I digress. So they were listening to these mice and they heard, uh, they heard the same exact rhythm and the same exact order. But it was depending on the phase of sleep. Um, so in the, I want to say it was in the deep sleep in three or four, they heard the same dee 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 but they heard it like, significantly faster so it was like it was like this constant reinforcement of what they had learned in the day but like crunched down um to shorter to a shorter expanse of time and then just repeat it over and over and over again kind of just like burning this memory in and it was crazy even more crazy is that when they shifted into their REM sleep because yeah apparently mice have random eye movement sleep cycles as well just like us it's a cool thing for, for us to be able to study so they uh they looked at the mice they still had them hooked up the mice entered into REM sleep and then the same pattern hits but this time it's not it's no longer sped up and condensed it's expanded out it's like uh I think it's half of the speed that they were experiencing in their waking hours when they were learning it um, is what they saw in them in REM sleep. So it's like memory uh, inculcation and memory, uh, f the firming up of memory, the establishing of it in our minds is so, it, it's sleep is so important to that process that it actually, different stages of it and act upon it in different ways and, and reinforce it in different ways to really burn it in to our psyche and to, into our memory. Pretty cool stuff. Um, and so with all of these good things that need to be had that are kind of resulting from sleep, you got to think about well, like, what are the bad things? Well, we kind of hit on them generally before. Um, but one of the things you have to consider is when, before you talk about any of the good or the bad is the we I, I'm I'm I've used these terms earlier and I want to make sure that we, we kind of address them. So we talked about quality and we talked about quantity. So turns out that both matter, right? So you can't just go and have four hours. If there was some sort of drug that you could take that would knock you out for four hours and you'd be in REM sleep the whole time then, you know, you think you're like you're getting all these benefits of getting into REM sleep, which we've identified as being like so highly important for our, our ability to operate and live. That doesn't work. You know, you actually have to go through these, these stages, one, two, three, four REM. And it's, and it's even more interesting because, so the time thing matters because it's not because it takes so long to go from stage one to stage two to stage two. You, you can imagine that there are times when you feel like you fell asleep and, and you like, went straight into dreaming. And, I, and I'm not sure if you straight can't dream when you're in the early stages or even late stages if it's just withheld to REM. But the, it, it's really neither here nor there. The point is that you don't just go through this one time in an evening. You actually go through this process. It's supposed to be, 
I want to say it's like four times, maybe six times, um, in order for you to have an effective night's sleep. So you're supposed to, so it's interesting because you're actually, you are, if you have kind of like the, the standard quality night of sleep, you will go through, you'll go down from one light sleep, two light sleep, three deeper sleep, four deep sleep, and then REM, and then you'll, then you'll wake up. Even if you don't realize you wake up, you wake up. And then you'll go right back in. One, two, three, four, REM. Wake up. One, two, three, four, REM. Wake up. And so you're going through, and you have to go through these cycles. They have to go from the top to the bottom, and then wake up, and then do it all over again. And you have to go through that like four times in order for the impact uh, for you to have all of the the, I was going to say the benefits, but it's, yeah, it's the benefits, but it's like the requirements. It's like your body requires this stuff in order to, to perform properly. You know, um, it's, it's, you think again, so if you don't go through these cycles, you don't give yourself enough time to go through these cycles, then you're not going to go through all of them. Then you're going to have these negative impacts. Like we talked about, um, I briefly mentioned obesity. Right. We talked about memory and, and that and that, how that can be interrupted and, and proof of how memory is inculcated during sleep. When you think about um, obesity, being overweight, overeating, there's a there's a strong link. I don't know if there's a, a causal um, relationship there, but absolutely correlational with people that have chronic poor sleep and that. Um, that become obese. It's not to say that every obese person gets poor sleep. There are many reasons that you could be obese. You could be getting great sleep and you just really like eating and don't like working out and you like eating bad food. Um, and maybe there's thyroid issues and whatever. The point here is that there are actually a couple of chemicals that are swimming around in your body that, that let you know that inspire you to eat or inspire you to stop eating. The names of them don't really matter. It's leptin and ghrelin, ghrelin, something like that. Um, and so basically leptin, if I have this correct, leptin is the chemical that says, hey, you're good, man. You're full. You don't need to eat anymore. And ghrelin uh, is the chemical that's like, hey, man, you're not satiated. Like, you're not full. Let's eat. <laughs> like, And so what happens is with upon a poor insufficient sleep cycles and insufficient sleep quality and quantity you uh you have actual increased amounts of the ghrelin so it's not there is an absolute component and i'm and i'm a firm believer in this that these two things go hand in hand is that when you don't get good sleep and you're kind of groggy and you 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 feel like crap you are going to make generally worse decisions like you don't have the cognitive energy to make great decisions like you're going and it's not even that you're not going to make great decisions so that you're going to you're going to kind of look for shortcuts and you're not going to look you don't necessarily want to take that extra step um that's more difficult even though you know that it's better for you and, and that that comes through in eating a lot and you think you uh, I know when I when I don't get a lot of sleep or when I was in the army and we'd be, you know, out in the field and be getting very little sleep, it, it was very easy to go to, you know, we call it pogey bait, you know. <laughs> Pogues are p personal other than grunt when grunts are infantrymen. So anyone that's not an infantryman is a pogue. And 
you uh and so you bring your pogey bait as an intel guy go to the field i go work in tents on computers and stuff and i'm collecting information putting it together and it's a lot of heavy cognitive work and so if you're not getting good sleep if you're working 16 hour days um and then you're pulling guard shift and and this stuff like you're you end up with very little sleep and then you get up and you're making you're not you're not looking like man i sure need to make sure that i'm gonna eat really well today like so you can be really hungry and eat good food but if it's harder to come by, which in the field, good quality, healthy food is very difficult to come by. It's more about the way that they make their meals is more um, about the density of calories and making sure that you have the the requisite calories to to burn because you're going to be doing things that are extremely physically active, even for an Intel guy. So we didn't just work on computers. <laughs> Anyway, um, so the point is that I would lean towards like fatty snacks, candy, um, stuff like that. Um, and, and it was easier, made me feel good, gives you that kind of sugar rush. So I think that there's a component of like the the diluted or or un not unrefined, but just just the quality of your decision making is reduced because you just don't have the cognitive energy to put into searching out ways to to make the right decision or to take the actions to have the, to make the right decision. I wasn't going out and searching for good food. Um, and then, and then on top of that, you do, you know, biologically have this chemical that's increased when you're not getting good sleep. That's like, you're hungry. It's like, I'm hungry and I'm not making good decisions. <laughs> you could see how there might be a, a situation where people that don't get good sleep become obese. So that's there. Um, let's see. So you have, um, the cardiovascular events, right? So they did a study. It was with, I don't, I was going to say four people. It's not four people. It was with a lot of people. I don't remember how many, <laughs> um, this was also referenced by, um, so that last piece that on obesity and the leptin that was, uh, so Matthew Walker talked about that, but I had initially learned about it from the neuroscience class, uh, on sleep from George Mason. Um, and the so cardiovascular events this is this was a, a walker thing so this is also mentioned in in both classes both science class that i'm in but it was also i had heard about the study that i'm going to talk about here from matthew walker so uh they took a group of people that had no signs of cardiovascular issues no signs of, of blood issues they ran like blood reports lipid reports on on these individuals and they had no signs of any sort of significance in their kind of cardiovascular um results so then they took them for a week they had them sleep four hours a night for a week and i don't i would be interested actually to see what if they had them if they had them hooked up to any sort of sleep measuring devices at all, or if they were purely looking, okay, if we just reduce the number of sleep and we don't really pay attention to what actually happens during that sleep, um, we just want to see what the, the physiological impacts are thereafter, um, which might be what they did, but I don't know. I'd have to actually like go and search out the study that he was talking about. All I know is that they, they had, they restricted these individuals sleep, amount to four hours for five days or maybe it was seven it was a week is what he said so and basically what happened was that they saw calcification of like the coronary artery 
uh, just after four days. Now it wasn't like these guys are walking away with heart attacks, but you can they could tell from before and after that these arteries are becoming hardened after one week, one week of of poor sleep. Now four hours is not a, is is low, and to do that for a week straight is bad, and it's probably not something that we are doing on the fairly regular. Most of us. But if you are, it's something to absolutely take into consideration. Um, and so all of this, again, are not just supposed to be like, holy crap, scare tactics. It's just to, it's to bring up the significance of the situation, right? We hear these facts, we see these studies, and then we, we think like, oh, well, I've been getting probably not ideal sleep for years, you know? So what are we going to like? And I'm, I'm doing fine. I feel good. You know, I get up and I'm working and I'm doing well in my job and, or I started my business or, you know, my relationships are good. And I just, this is my pattern. This is what I do. And so, but a lot of this is like, it's the buildup, right? So that calcification didn't lead to people having heart attacks two weeks, you know, but you look at, they, they start to look at what happens to people over time and they're doing these studies now and, and we're starting to see this kind of linkage <laughs> with more of the significant uh, health events like heart attacks or coronary people's like oh he had a coronary you know that's what they're talking about and so and we had already kind of hit on alzheimer's disease and and when we don't have those those trash clearance um cells when we our trash men aren't coming in and clearing up it's the uh uh amyloid beta and dow um are the two i think they're both proteins i know the amyloid beta is definitely a protein i think the dow's uh it might be a protein that doesn't Again, doesn't matter. I'm trying to like speak sciency, and I'm not a scientist. So, but there's these two chemicals uh, that are very much associated with um, their excesses existing with people that have Alzheimer's. Uh, so, if they're not being cleared up every night, you know, it's not to say that if you get great sleep every night for the rest of your life that you're not going to get Alzheimer's. It's one of the things. It's just like it's a protective measure to ensure that. You are doing, you are letting your body do the natural things that it needs to do in order to give yourself the best chance. <laughs> you know, that's all you want to do. You want to give yourself the best chance. Um, and so with all of these things, like I was saying, you know, I'm not here to, to scare you guys into changing your behavior, but it's, if I'm going to tell you like, Hey, you, here are strategies to get a great night's sleep. And I don't really tell you why or the importance or significance behind it. Then, you know, it's, it's not going to inspire you to necessarily take that action but knowing that these these experiments have happened they're able to see that you know memory formation and 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 solidifying memory is really impacted by your sleep your mood your performance is impacted by your sleep your choices are impacted by your sleep your your eating habits how much you eat your weight your cardiovascular health all of these things are shown to happen with with these you know with reduced poor quality sleep poor time quantity and quality so what do we do let's get into it let's get into the stuff that i'm like now now i'm excited right we had to get through kind of some of the the less fun stuff and kind of downer stuff so that we can get to the good stuff so we can get to like all right well what the heck are we gonna do about it well let's do something all right so number one so this this came from so these strategies are a mix of what i was um because i've had my i've had my own battles with with sleep and i still do um these these 
strategies are a mix of what I have found from sleep, what is sleep lab? What the heck is the name of it? Oh, sleep. I think it's the sleepfoundation.org is where a lot of these came from, but it's also what was kind of quote unquote prescribed or recommended to me by doctors that I had worked with while I was still in the army. And it seems to be fairly consistent across the board. I've heard these from, again, from Andrew Huberman um, and other people when it comes to tactics and strategies that you can take to put yourself in a better position to get them to maximize the quality and quantity of sleep. So where do we start, right? It's uh, we want to look at what is called sleep hygiene, right? Um, we want to look at a couple of things. We want to look at sleep schedule. We want to look at nightly routines. You know, we want to look at, you know, the actual sleep. <laughs> um, we want to look at daytime impacts on sleep and how we can, um, how we can maneuver, how we can change our environment, how we can alter our environment to be more conducive for a better night of sleep. So looking at this, we want to you know look at the schedule, look at your sleep schedule. One of the key things here is that you need to be consistent. You have to, you have to, when it comes to timing, you really need to be consistent. So we I like to talk to a lot about uh, evolutionary, um, you know, psychology and, and theory behind a lot of things. So you think about um, evolution and what we would have chosen to kind of do and what we would have selected for. It would have been kind of coinciding with the environment. And so the interesting thing about a lot of this is that we are, if you're watching me here, you're most likely not um, sleeping in the whims of the environment, right? You're most likely in a house, or you have a house, you have an apartment, you have something that controls the temperature, you have something that, that uh, inhibits light um, and all of that. And so we have to look at ways that we can kind of take those things that we have selected for with promoting sleepfulness and sleepiness and promoting wakefulness um, and and incorporating them into our modern lives because that's just the way that we are we're not going to involve evolve to household living um at least anytime soon so <laughs> we have to work with our our hunter gatherer prior selves so again it's consistency we want to make sure that our body's kind of on a routine and that we know that not just and so we all have an alarm clock that's a lot of us have an alarm clock that will wake us up in the morning. Um, and what a lot of us don't have is anything indicating that, hey, it's it's time to go to bed. Like when you were a kid, you know, it was so important for so many parents to say, uh, hey, it's 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 bedtime. Like you're on a bedtime schedule. And there's there's the idea out there that a lot of performance of children is is variable, is is dependent upon um, those kind of sleep schedules of getting that consistent sleep and that performance being a derivative or, you know, an app, a byproduct of the quality of sleep and the way that you're kind of entering into school and where your quality of mind is. If you're not getting that good quality sleep, not making good decisions, not eating well, you guys know the rest. So get on a schedule and set an alarm. Set an alarm to go to bed. You should have a nighttime alarm. It's like, hey man, it's 10 o'clock, time to wrap things up or however it works for your schedule. 
you know, but just make sure that your allotted times there are going to give you enough time in order to actually accomplish all of those cycles through the sleep, you know, and get at least six, um, and, and if not eight, but the thing is, if you are batting on the lower end of this stuff right now, batting on the lower end of, of sleep time and sleep quality, it may not be in your best interest to make huge changes all at once, right? You don't want to go from like, okay, well, I've been sleeping about five hours a night, uh, inconsistently somewhere between five and eight for the past three years. So now I'm going to get nine hours of sleep every night. Good luck. Because <laughs> that's honestly, it's not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. And, and the thing is, because it's so different. That, and it's not to say that you can't do it. It's to say that you need to kind of work your way there. And a part of that is the mental game aspect of it. You, you have to take into consideration the fact that you are going to struggle in the beginning with alterations to your sleep. And you're probably not going to be able to go to sleep as early as you want because you're not used to going to sleep a little bit earlier if that's what is required. If your schedule does not allow you to sleep more into the morning, then you got to back it up, right? And if you're not getting enough you need to expand your time to allow for those cycles then you're gonna you're gonna have to back it up but if you back it up three hours you know you're going from five to eight like your body's not gonna be ready so just start incrementally you know go to bed an hour earlier and and then we'll get into the rest of it was not just going to bed an hour earlier we got to set ourselves up for success it's not just saying oh, i need more sleep so like i'm gonna go to bed at nine o'clock and then i'm gonna go in my bed and i'm gonna lay there and oh look it didn't work so this isn't <laughs> this this is no good i'm back to my five hours that's uh that is what will happen if you don't take a thoughtful approach to this so you want to when you think about the schedule again you want to take actions that are beneficial to you to promote that schedule and so taking a nap in the kind of later afternoon time frame is not recommended because it's going to mess with that kind of sleep cycles you know and and definitely you want to try to avoid naps that are longer than 20 30 minutes because of where you kind of get into in your sleep cycles at that stage when if you have if you're like i i have like an hour and a half i got two hours where i can nap and i'm gonna set an alarm and then i'm gonna get up and, and go crush it but i need to i need to i'm just feeling overwhelmed right now and i just like i can't concentrate because i'm too tired you do that and it's very likely that you're gonna wake yourself up in the middle of a sleep cycle um, and when you do that, you get that feeling, that grogginess where you're not, you're not all there. And that kind of sleep hangover that people get and where you're like, oh, I don't know, why am I more tired after my nap than I was before? And why am sometimes when I take a nap that I wake up and I feel like a million bucks, you know, and a lot of it has to do with time. When you, when you woke up, did you wake up naturally after 20 minutes? Cause if you did, that's like, oh, crushing it. You're probably feeling great. But if you woke up a couple hours later, or, and especially if you had an alarm that kind of snapped you out of it, then it's very likely that you're not going to catch the cycle correctly. Why is that not a risk in the morning? Just real quick. So because your body, if you have allotted the correct amount of time, your body will have gone through the cycles. Um, if you, depending on how you have your room set up, like your body's going to naturally be getting into a more waking cycle in a week. Not a lot of us can operate on a way that, um, that allows us to just wake up when our body says it's time to wake up, which is the most ideal way. If you can do that, that's exactly what you should do. But I use an app called, I think it's called Sleep Cycle. 
It is. It's orange uh, with a with a white alarm clock on it. It's got three settings, so you can set it. Um, so it's got a hard time alarm, standard normal alarm clock. It wakes you up at this time. But what's cool is when you set it at nighttime, it will monitor your sleep. So it kind of tracks when you wake up, when you snore, it records when you snore, and when you cough or sneeze or talk in your sleep, it'll record it. It'll actually record it for you. If you want to hear that stuff, you have to pay for it. But if you just want to know when it happens, it'll pinpoint it on your graph, and it shows the cycles kind of as you're going through. It's very interesting. I don't know how, how accurate it is because it literally just sits on my nightstand, and that's where it says to put it. But it seems to do pretty good, when it, and it gives you a percentage score, and, and on my higher percentage scores, I tend, like, those are generally associated with when I feel better. And so like, it's not doing nothing, <laughs> but the really, the thing that I love most about it is that it is uh, you, there's a secondary option to set the alarm where it will sense where you are in that sleep cycle. And when you're, when you're coming out of the REM and you're going to that kind of awake or you're in that lighter sleep, it'll wake you up then and we'll do it within a kind of a time frame that you that you give it so you give it a half an hour window so like this morning mine was set from 525 to 555 don't ask me why i just yeah that's that that's my life so <laughs> um so yeah so it went off and when did it actually go off i don't know i think it went off at like 537 Something like that. And it's because that's when it saw that I was like, oh, hey, look, you're already, you're naturally in a more wakeful period. Let's go ahead and start the alarm. And it starts off kind of soft and it gets up a little bit louder as it stays on. And so it's this kind of progressive bring you back into, you know, the waking world. So that is a cool option. And the other one is um, there's no alarm, but it'll still monitor your sleep. So those are the three options of that sleep cycle app. Um, but... So, like I said, avoid naps, make gradual adjustments, and um, try to allot yourself enough time um, that you can actually get through the cycles. Try to allot yourself at least six hours, if not eight, um, but make small, gradual steps to get there if you're really far off the ball right now. Um, nightly routine. So you want to create as a part of the schedule, as part of the consistency. The consistency isn't just going to bed at this time and waking up at this time and doing it every day regardless if it's a weekday or a weekend. It is um, about the practices that we take around that sleep as well. So we want to make sure that we are turning down um, the lights. We want to not have a lot of bright lights. We want to remove the screens. Um, and you hear this all the time. Uh, I know it's hard to do, um, but you want to do it to your best ability. And you want to make sure to, to do it at least 30 minutes before you go to bed, if not a solid hour. And the good thing that you can do to try to um, help with this process is to to bring it. And it's not just to not do the things that you were doing before, but to to substitute them with other things. So, okay, maybe I'll take... Um, a shower with only like in my in our bathroom we have like three light switches one of them's for the shower there's two overhead and one of the overheads are a lot dimmer than the other ones so i'll turn on the dimmest light not the one in the shower the dimmest light overhead and then I'll, then you can get in the shower and take a nice warm long relaxing shower and get yourself nice and calm down and do that for you know, 20, 30 minutes, do you give yourself a nice long one and then you can get out, um, get ready, hop in bed and read a book 
you know, and so you have a little light on or something, um, keep it kind of dim, nothing where you're like straining your eyes to read, but nothing more than what is required just for the reading there. Uh, and then that can really help remove a lot of the electronics, a lot of the unnatural light that's constantly around us, a lot of the blue light that comes from um, all of the devices. And that's all really good, really good practices um, to make sure that your your internal systems are, are clicking and going in the direction they need to. Um, working your way down, if you're if you have light dimmers in your house or you have the ability to dim the lights at all, um, you want to do that kind of progressively. Uh, you don't want to be like cranking as the sun's going down naturally. That's when the lights come on, and so we want to think about that as you're getting closer to bed. You want to start turning more lights off and, and kind of operating a little bit more in the dark let your body know it's time like we're we're starting the process <laughs> um like i said unplug get away from it and and if you are into this sort of thing you can do kind of breathing relaxation techniques you can do meditation you can practice mindfulness you could maybe journal do some gratitude journaling which i strongly promote and endorse here um but then so especially if you're making changes and you're trying to make improvements and you're going into bed and you are, um, you're laying down and you're there for like 20 minutes. You're like, this isn't working. <laughs> don't the key here is don't just toss and turn all night. Like you need to, you really need to associate your bed, your mind, your body and your bed as all so all knowing together that this is where you sleep. This is not where you toss and turn. This is not where you watch TV. It's where you can have some nice intimate time with your loved one um, and where you can sleep. This is what we want to associate our bed with. We do not want to associate it with staying up, rolling around, like I said, watching TV, playing on your phone. We want it to be very tightly associated, as tightly as it can be with sleep. So what happens if you're in bed for 20, 30 minutes, 20 minutes and you are tossing and turning you're like, I just can't get to sleep. Get up get out of bed it doesn't mean go be active i don't mean like get up <laughs> i mean like like physically get up and get out of bed go like do some light minor stretching maybe do some more of those relaxation techniques read you know if you're not into like the the mindset stuff which if you're here it would be weird <laughs> i imagine that this audience is interested in mindfulness and in forms of meditation uh, you know quiet reflection again gratitude journaling you don't want to like overly activate your brain um so some real kind of passive stuff. Reading would be great. Reading is great for me. Really helps to to get me tired. And you could probably try reading those books <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna read and you're gonna read to get sleepy. Um, you could do it with those books. You're like, I should read this book, but I'm not particularly interested in it. Like we were talking about earlier. It's like choose those books for that. <laughs> like, hey, I'm getting reading done, and it's not terribly interesting. So I'm gonna be more likely to be to zone off and and fall asleep. So there's that. There's that. There's a little hidden strategy within within this strategy. Uh, so how do we change our our daytime habits, our waking habits, in order to promote a better night's sleep? So you want to use what nature has given us and what our body has used learned to use for nature to to run these you know circadian rhythms and and in our our cycles of wakefulness and sleepfulness. So um, natural light, right? You want to get out if right now i get up and the sun's not up but i get up and i, I have over light heads turned on over headlights turn yeah okay i said that right <laughs> and then uh 
And so I have those on and it's important that they're above you because that's kind of where the sun is and that's where we see them coming in. It's another thing. It's very hard to do. It's why I didn't mention it. If you can have low lights that are lower to the ground on at the night, then it's like your brain is associating that kind of like with the sun setting. And so it's, there's this actual visual feel that like when you're, when the light is being received from like the upper areas of your life from down below, cause it's going up like that. <laughs> if you're not watching, you should, cause this is great. <laughs> the light's coming up. So it's kind of hitting the top part of your eyes and then it's coming down. And so it's hitting kind of like the bottom part. If I understand the science correctly, again, not a scientist. Thank you guys for your patience <laughs> and listening to this guy jibber jabber about the, about this stuff. So, um, but yeah, you want to get out and you want to, you want even, so for me, I have, like I said, I have those lights on, but once the sun comes out, it's really important for me to go outside and to like, take that in and not like be on the phone, but actually go outside and like, let that come in. For me, it's really easy because I have the dogs. They need to go outside anyway, go outside with them and let that kind of natural light do its thing. Uh, let's see. During the day, you also want to make sure to be getting physical activity. Again, a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about, if you're not already doing it in some shape, some form or fashion, then you want to gradually work your way into it, right? If you're like, you don't want to go from doing nothing to go, I'm going to go run six miles to really try to wear myself out. One, you're more likely to get hurt and frustrated and demotivated, unmotivated. Um, and so then you're more likely to just stop with the process altogether. So you want to go gradually. So maybe it's taking a walk, you know, maybe that's, that's your thing for the day, but you, you take a nice, decent, long walk, you know, go walk for a half an hour, go walk for an hour. You know, that's what I'll do with my dogs. I literally set a timer for 15 minutes. And so we go and I, and we power walk, like we're moving, we're hustling. It's actually about to happen. It's about that time. We're hustling like it's a power walk. I don't want to run with them because they're big dogs. I want to mess their joints up. Newfoundlands, gotta love them, man. They're so cool. Anyway, <laughs> so I go, I, I power walk for like 15 minutes and I come back with them. So it's half an hour, 15 minutes out, 15 minutes back. And then, because I don't care about distance with them. It's about time. I want to get the time. And uh, so then I get back and then I do my workout. I do, I, I do an additional workout. I do actually on the Oculus, the Meta Oculus VR system thing. They get some really crazy good workouts on there and it smokes the crap out of me. So especially when it's all cold out like this, I'm, I'm blessed to have, have the ability to do it, the time and the space. And so that's what I do. Um, but you can do anything. You do tons of body weight workouts and stuff like that and you build up into it. But just uh, being physically active is highly important for getting the regulation right in your body. <clears throat> and getting yourself primed for sleep later on. You don't want to work out super late though, because it can be kind of energizing, kind of like bring up some endorphins and, and some of these really good feeling stuff. And you don't really want to get that kind of zest um, from there. But if you have the ability to, to do a decent workout and get a nice, long, good hot shower bath, that can be really good. So all the natural stuff, don't smoke, don't drink. Uh, <laughs> which is really easy to say, really hard to do. I acknowledge, um, but drinking especially, uh, because that will mess with your, if you're, if you're drinking and that drinking is, is, um, a participatory aspect of, or component of your going to sleep, it's going to have you miss phases. It's going to have you, uh, your body not handle the stages of sleep correctly. And so while you may be like, Oh, well, I, I can't sleep without, you know, that glass of wine. 
just got to be careful because, again, you might be getting to sleep, but the quality of sleep once you're in it is not as good as when you're not on it. So it's not to say one glass of wine is going to kill you. Um, it's also not to say that it is the thing that is making your sleep quality good. So be aware. Uh, naturally, caffeine. You guys know. Like, you're not stupid. I'm not going to treat you like you're stupid. Don't have a cup of coffee at 4 in the afternoon. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Don't do that stuff. Don't do the stuff that you know. That's the thing here, man. Like, I'm telling you, all of these, all this stuff, I feel like you guys already know. I, I, my job, my really mission here today is to reinforce that, to come at it from another perspective, bring a little bit of the science that I've read and heard and listened about and, and, and discovered and, and the practices that I like to use, some of those mixed in here, uh, and to reinforce the... The importance of this and and the impact and and how valuable it is and so like you guys know this stuff you know it so do it right do it you have to do it <laughs> it's not enough to just come here and listen if you actually want the the benefits you want the impacts you want the long term life benefits like the biggest thing that scares the crap out of me is Alzheimer's I I could die at sixty and be happy if I was healthy as a horse until that day and got like ran over by a bus or my parachute didn't open when I'm free fall, you know, whatever, whatever it is, as long as I'm like fully conscious in there, I don't want to be around and not aware of like who I'm talking to. I don't want to be around and not remember my kids. And so if I can live to 120 and do that, then I want to do that. And so if sleep is a huge component to get there, let's do it, baby. Let's get down on some sleep. Anyway, <laughs> um, and you don't want to eat right before. Okay, so getting back to it, like no caffeine, right? Don't eat right before bed because then your body's going to be expending energy to digest and that messes up with the sleep cycles and just don't do it. Eat with at least a couple of hours between your last meal and bed. Try to not even snack, but you can just make it really, really, really light. The environment, we kind of talked about it when it comes to the lighting. Um, I hinted at it when it came to the temperatures and and the evolutionary stuff and so um really the way that it works so if you went to um if we were living in 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 the environment around us what happens is um as it gets like you guys know <laughs> as the day is ending it's getting colder so it's it's warm and it's cooling down and so you want to have the same effect in your home. If you can control your AC, then you want to let, like right now, it's winter, so you're probably having your heat on during the day. So if you are, then you want to have that heat on, and then you want to slowly like do a progression. If you have a smart thermometer, it's great. If not, you need to manually do it, then, then do it manually. But like once you get into that kind of two hours before sleep window, go ahead and crank that thing down a few notches. When you're getting ready to go to bed, crank it down some more notches. It's something like 65 degrees, which is cold, <laughs> is the best to sleep in. So right when you're getting ready to go to bed, one of the last things you should do, crank that down to 65 um, on the last leg of that path with the temperatures going down. Now, if you have the smart thermometer, which is, I think, the only way that you can do this, um, you want to set it up so that it actually starts warming up in the morning, right? So like, even if you just cut your AC off um, and let it go down nice and cold, unless it's like frigidly cold where you are and your house is not going to retain that kind of heat to the night, then, you know, set it at 65, let it drop down to 65. And then when you want to wake up, 
you know, start that temperature rise and let that temperature be part of the thing that brings you back into consciousness. Like, oh man, it's getting warm. Like, oh, I'm now I'm up because it's too warm to be asleep anymore. That's good. That's a natural thing. And you, that's a way to bring that evolutionary aspect into you, our modern lives. Um, you can do it with light. You can have, I think there are devices out there that will operate similar to the app I was telling you about, but they will also have light components to it. So it'll start kind of a slow bring up a light, but you want to make sure that in your room, you know, you're, you're blocking off the lights, you're blocking out the sounds you're using. If you need to use a fan to, if there, if there are a bunch of sounds, um, that are irregular, like if you have like a train track near you and sometimes it's running, sometimes it's not white noise things can be helpful. Um, I don't like them. I don't like the idea of just, I don't like being highly dependent on something to go to sleep. And so if you can set yourself up without having to use those most of the time, then good. If you need to use them kind of spot check, um, for particular instances, cool. But if, there's nothing, there's no reason to have them, then don't use them. Um, so yeah, I think, oh, and then, then your bed, right? Invest, <laughs> invest in your bed, invest in your sheets, invest in your pillows, invest in the pillowcases, you know, and in, in the comforter, invest into it. You're spending a third of your life there. So I don't even have sponsors, man. Like I don't have them. So, uh, I'm not pitching you anything. I'm just saying that it matters. If you're going to spend a third of your life doing something, you should probably, and, and the, we have seen, we have detailed to uh, a decent length, the impacts of not doing this well are, are very significant. And you want to make sure that you are indeed investing in those things that are necessary don't just buy things that are expensive for the sake of them being expensive actually look into it check the reviews there's so much technology out there now you can have these bed sheet covers that like pumped full of air that control the temperature of the actual like sheets in the bed you have beds that control the actual temperature and the mattresses all of these different things and so look into it invest it's worth it it's your life it's your health it's your ability to operate your ability to perform at your peak levels so much of it comes back to sleep so dive in like and it doesn't have to be you don't have to drop 30 grand tomorrow like just slowly build up get yourself a nice set of sheets See what that's like, you know, and start doing some research. Look into it. See what makes sense for you guys. I'm really interested. I want to get the, what is the Pod Pro cover? Something, I don't know. It's it's the thing that goes over the bed. I was talking about where it's, I think it pumps the air into it and then you can control essentially the air temperature so you can cool it down, which sounds amazing. So that's in the near future for me. So I haven't invested in everything yet, but I'm working on it. And the bonus stuff is um, when we're, one of the things that I think is a problem for a lot of people are, and has, has come out in some of the scientific literature that I was reading, was ruminations, right? And this will be the last thing we talk about. This is probably one of the longer podcasts I've done in a long time. And I'm trying to get through a lot fairly quick, <laughs> trying to respect your guys' time. So um, this is something that I harp on all the time, and so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but it is worth mentioning that if we are in bed and, and the thing that's keeping us up are like stuff that's happened throughout the day that we're not comfortable with and we're kind of ruminating over these these events that um 
that we are not content with how they happen or their fallout or what they mean. And we wish that we would have said this instead of that. We wish we would have said, would have said something versus nothing at all. Um, we want to try to curtail that on the front end. Um, so the way that I found the best way to do this is by implementing my the, the four keys to a life well lived. And those are loving, learning, struggling, and achieving. And so when, and just to break those down real quick, I did a whole episode on it, so go back and look. But it's, you need to do things that you love. If you do not love your work, make sure that you are spending time at home with things that you love. Spend it with your kids, spend it with your wife, spend it doing a hobby that you love. You want to make sure that you're you're doing this in in and looking at things that you love that you can grow in, that you can learn more about. You you know, you can always learn more about your kids and about yourself and your interaction with them. That's great. If you want to um learn archery, you want to you want to get into physical fitness, there's so much to learn and then and naturally in this finding something that you love, learning more about it and taking more action to participate even more thoroughly with that that you love with that which you love there you go <laughs> then um there are going to be struggles like oh my gosh i messed that up really bad like okay well let me now i've learned from there and i can incorporate that in as well struggle is so important if you're doing something that you love and you're learning about it and there's not a lot of struggle there then it's it's not as fulfilling like it's not as fulfilling to learn about watches and how they work and how cool they are um, and that you really like these ones and then you get it and you have it. It's not, that's, that's cool. It's a cool hobby to be into, but it's not as fulfilling as like woodworking or archery or something that you are doing that you're participating in that you can get better at that when you're learning, it's creating more opportunities for you to, to interact with this thing even more thoroughly and then to try new things out and then to struggle at it and then to continue to work at it and then to overcome those struggles and succeed or achieve, right? And when you're doing this, if you're incorporating these into your life every day in some way, shape, or form, some days you're going to focus more on the learning part than the struggling part. Some days you're going to struggle more than you're going to love. And some days you're not going to achieve and some days you're going to achieve a lot. And so, but if you're putting focused attention into these things every day and making sure that these kind of get hit. These are, these are a generalized focus point. It's really going to help with those ruminations because you are spending that time with play and love and everything. And there's actually, um, <clears throat> there are studies that talk about the importance of incorporating play. Andrew Huberman did a whole podcast on it, like two podcasts ago. It's absolutely great. Go listen to it. Um, the importance of play and the importance of that I just read in a study, uh, the importance of in, uh, incorporating an enjoyable activity into your life every day as a way to help stem off. I think it was Alzheimer's. Um, there's there's a link with people that have go on for higher education and that get degrees have less. Uh, likelihood of Alzheimer's and but the same thing it's not just that you don't have to have a college it's not like college degree say so you don't get Alzheimer's <laughs> it's um it's the lifelong learning aspect like once you get the degrees you're you're operating in you may be operating in positions especially higher end degrees you're, you're going to have like continuing education requirements you're going to be working in a perhaps in a dynamic field that requires you to to continue to do all these things that I just talked about right um to love learn struggle and achieve 
and uh and but it's the same thing for people that read just reading um or 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 actively participating in a in a hobby you know every day and that's the study that arose like an hour a day but uh huberman in his lab when he was talking about incorporating play to for the all the benefits that come with that i'll let you listen to his podcast to, to learn more about that but um he said he recommended an, an hour a week a novel play so novel play being if you really really like chess and you played a lot and you're great at it that's not novel that's fun it's playing it's good but it's not novel. So you want to find something that is new. It's not, it's not something that you're just getting better at. something that's new to you, new experience, because it helps your brain become more plastic and you learn more. And like I said, go listen to that podcast. Anyway, my throat's going out. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope that there was value here. I hope that you're able to take these um, principles and these practices that we talked about, these practical applications and put them into your life. Even if it's not all of them, take some of them. Focus on the fact that that uh, uh, the quality of your sleep and and look for ways that you can be better at that so that way you can be around every day at a in a higher state of performance and a higher quality of yourself and then you can be around for more days at that higher quality i love you be safe be good get sleep and i'll see you guys here next time